1989, there was a a 22-year-old college graduate who was just finishing up from school and decided before she launched into her career, she kind of wanted to go exploring and find herself. And so Eloise Lindsay went out into South Carolina deep forest and got lost. And over the course of time, actually over about a two-week period, she was lost in the deep forest. It was discovered eventually when they finally found her that she continued to walk circles. And the problem of finding her was that, you know, they were almost chasing her in circles until they found her. And it's interesting. Have, have you ever heard of somebody getting lost and walking in circles before? I know if you're married to a guy, maybe you felt like you were driving in circles lost a time or two. I want to read you a portion of a, a research that was done in 2007. It says a group of scientists in Max Planck Institute for uh, Biological Cybernetics, I don't even know what that is, ending that hikers could walk, ultimately when they're lost, people tend to walk in circles. That just simply repeatedly went on circles. Quote says they didn't really believe when we showed them afterwards, said the researcher. And I think that's certainly a point to take away. That people may feel very confident about the direction that they're going, but it's really not that certain. Two people walking in the desert during daylight veered from their course, but they didn't walk in circles. This is the quote, you really can walk in a straight line if you have the sun to guide you. The researchers and his colleagues decided to include a second forest experiment to see how well people could keep a straight course when they were forced to maneuver around objects. This is interesting. Not surprisingly, the people fared even worse again over the cloud coverage, which made a huge impact. What is it saying? saying, listen, you know how, how they kind of walked in circles every time was, interestingly enough, when we put obstacles out there, it got even worse. Are you getting where we're going today? It may be human nature, the research continues on, to go in circles when you're lost. Solman and his study was the first to test this tendency to walk in circles outdoor. However, other researchers have found people tend to work, uh, walk in circles if they're blindfolded. If you look at the shapes of the trajectory outside, the circles had a diameter of about 200 to 300 meters, and blindfolded circles were 15 to 60 meters in diameters. Diameter. Those circles could be really, really small when people did not know where they were going. But Solomon's work was intended to do more than make us feel inept as a species. Researchers have long been arguing over why we turn in circles. And Solomon said that this new study may rule out what some had a leading hypothesis as in that one leg is shorter than the other. It's, it seems to be that this research 
has found that we take visual cues as we walk. And that as those visual cues are not distinguishable, we fail to see the signals that keep us from walking straight. Do you see where we're going today? How many of you, you don't even have to raise your hand. You have to call yourself out. How many of you have been walking in circles for most of your life in certain areas? Right? It's like you've re, you, have, you have been there before and here you are again and you've been there a dozen times. And maybe it's in the course of your relationship with your spouse, or maybe it's in the course of your relationship with your kids, or maybe it's in the course of the relationship with you and money, or maybe it's in the course of you and your relationship with sex, or maybe it's in the course of you and your relationship with sin, or maybe it's in the course of you and your relationship with work, but you're over and over and over and over again, walking in circles and wondering why it looks so familiar and why you can't seem to get out of the circle. And if that describes you, I just want you to know you're not alone. I'm in the same boat with you. But here's what I also want you to know, is that it's impossible to keep walking in circles and keep your priorities straight. It's impossible to continue walking in circles when you have a sense of priorities that is set before you. Think about the research that they did. They said, well, listen, when, when we put blindfold on people, man, they were walking in these tiny circles and they thought for sure they were walking in a straight line. And then when we put challenges in front of them, it got even worse. Have you had challenges put in front of you? Hmm. And all of a sudden it just seemed to intensify, didn't it? But he says in the study, those people who, who could see the sun and see where it was, they found that it wasn't impossible to walk a straight line. If you have your Bible, you can flip on over to Hebrews in the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, we're going to get to here in just a minute tells out the, the heroes of faith. But in chapter 12, starting in verse 1, says this, therefore, let's just stop right there. Anytime you see the word therefore, you should ask yourself what it's there for. And so go back a little bit. And if you're not familiar with Hebrews chapter 11, I encourage you to read it sometime this week. It's really a remarkable story of the heroes of faith, of people who didn't necessarily follow God, maybe the way that you and I follow God, but they certainly gave their life to him. And we read about these amazing people and, and how they continue to have this relationship with God, even through many struggles. And towards the end, it's just nameless people, but they're given their lives to God. In fact, they're given their, their physical lives to God. Some of them are dying in, in terrible, excruciatingly painful ways. And I don't know about you, when I read things like that, I think, man, I don't know if that could be me. I don't know if, if it was like, you know, Steve, you're chained up today, but tomorrow, you know, we're going to behead you. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to be. I want to say that I believe so strongly that I would say, listen, I'll do anything. 
But there are times where the circles that I walk seem to bring me around to the same problems that I face. And so the writer of Hebrews, before he goes on to tell us more, says, remember the past, remember the people. He tells of these people who gave their lives to something bigger than themselves. And how, how do they do that? I don't know about you, but I think about people in my past. I think about people like Jean and Jeannie Brock. I mean, they were, they were the epitome of a prayer warrior. They're epitome of, of faith. And I, I got to grow up with them and watch them live out their faith in real time. And it was amazing to watch. And I would think, man, how do I become more like that? You probably have your own Gene and Jeannie Brocks in your life that are people that, man, they're just so focused in. And I think the secret sauce is this. They decided what was most important and they stuck with it. See, I think in this day and age, it's really easy to get sidetracked and to blame the problem of, uh, on, on our scheduling issues. Like, I'm so busy. In fact, we, we kind of make a hero out of the busiest schedule, right? And we'll say, man, this week is so crammed full. And look at the schedule. And then somebody else, yeah, yeah man, I wish, I wish I had that few of things to do, right? It's like whoever has this busiest schedule wins. But I don't think we have a scheduling conflict. I think we have a priorities conflict. I think we have a conflict that says we have not set before us the thing that truly matters most and fixed our eyes on it. And so this is the question. If you have your phone, go to your note section. If you have like a pen and paper, I want you to write this down. And this is your homework for this week. I'm serious. Write it down. Don't look at me. Okay. <laughs> it's not a museum. No, I'm not on display. <clears throat> I want you to write this down. What is most important in my life? What is most important in my life? See, I believe that sometimes the reason why we're walking in circles is because we have not decided what is most important truly in our life. We have a lot of important things. We do a lot of really good things, but we haven't narrowed in on what the most important thing is. And so this week, I challenge you to go back and wrestle with that question of what really is most important in my life life. And then if you want to get really daring, try to figure out if what you do matches with what you feel. But we've only got one word into Hebrews chapter 12, so let's keep going. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I love that Paul says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. 
Because Paul really is distinguishing between things that hinder us and sin that entangles us. There's a difference. Sometimes it's not a matter of what's right and wrong, but what's wise for you right now. About seven years ago, I got to like actualize one of my lifelong dreams. When I was in fourth grade, my dad told me, all right, listen, uh, you can pick any car you want. That's a fixer upper. (laughs) And we will buy that car. And if you keep your grades up in school, we will fix up that car. And when you turn 16, you can have that car. One of my next door neighbors had a 1976 MG Midget. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I would watch him buzz in and buzz out through the neighborhood and that thing. And I thought, man, I want that car. So since the fourth grade, all the car I've always wanted is a 1976 MG Midget. How many of you ever seen one before? How many of you can actually picture me fitting in one? Okay, that's like a vat of Vaseline and a shoehorn, right? I mean, that's, but that's what I want. So seven years ago, my wife finds on Craigslist a 1976 MG Midget sitting in a barn for sale for $500. And we buy it. I'm like, this is awesome. And then I get home and I realize, I don't know how to work on cars. I mean, (laughs) I don't know the first thing about this. And so I start researching and I buy all the manuals and I start taking things apart. And I'm like, I'm never going to be able to put this thing back together, you know. And I'm out there by myself. And, and I start to realize when I'm out there by myself that what I'm not doing is spending time with my family. And I realized really quickly, listen, I realized really quickly That if I was going to invest in this car, it was going to take all of the time that I would have to make this dream come true. Or (laughs) I could be invested in my family. And so my car sat and sat and sat until about two years ago, gave it away. Because as much as I wanted, and listen, still do, that car. I knew that if I had to, you know, it would take every ounce of time and every ounce of money to be able to drive that thing up and down the road. And while it was good and while it's fun and while there was nothing wrong with it at all, I had a priority bigger than that. See, it's not always the thing that hinders us. It's not always choosing between right and wrong. It's choosing between what is the wisest thing for me to do now based on the fact of my priorities. You see, a a no now doesn't mean a no forever. I'm convinced one day I'll have a 1976 MG Midget. I might be strolling up to my nursing home at that time, but listen, I'm going to have it. 
And sometimes, listen, some of you who are in the like child phase, right? Sometimes your, your no now isn't a no forever. It's just a no for now. Sometimes some of you are, you're, you're trying to figure out what the, the wisest thing to do financially right now. And you're just having to say no for now, but not forever. Some of you, you're trying to figure that out for yourself and health wise. And you're saying no for now, but not forever. Some of you are just trying to figure those things out. And Paul reminds us that there are things that are not sin, but they're hindering us from the ultimate pursuit of what we want in this life. So the question becomes, if I really value and then fill in the blank, whatever you fill in that blank with this week, then what is the wisest thing for me to do right now? Man, if I really want to, to spend time with my family and nurturing them up in Christ, then what's the wisest thing for me to do right now? Man, if I really want to grow in my relationship with Christ, then what's the wisest thing for me to do right now? If I want to sacrifice myself, right? If I want, if I want to say, listen, I want to die to me and live for Christ, what is the wisest thing for me to do right now? If you want to be somebody who's financially, you know, you don't want to have any debt, then what's the wisest thing for me to do? right now to make that happen. But let me address something a little bit harder. Is that all right today? Come on now, church. Is that all right? All right. I'm glad you're still with me. Paul doesn't stop with the thing that hinders us. That would be easy. I mean, it's not easy, but it would be easier. He says, and the sin that so, so easily so easily entangles us. I may not know you very well, but here's what I know about you. Is that there is a place in your life where Satan doesn't have to try very hard to entangle you with sin. And it's not a mistake, man. If we were mistakers, we could fix it. We could erase it. We could do it over again. But it's not a mistake problem. It's a sin problem. And with sin problems, we have to go to the only one who can help us from our sin, and that's God. And that's good news. In fact, we call that the gospel. And Paul says, man, there is sin that's so easily entangles us and all of a sudden we stop focusing on the thing that we really said we wanted to focus on and we're so consumed with that that we begin running in circles again. And some of us in this room are really tired and really weary, and really burdened? And can I tell you why? The reason why you might be tired right now is because you're trying to carry along a sin that God has invited you to lay down a long time ago. See, you cannot run a race well with extra baggage. It doesn't work well. I could tell you that just from running at the gym, right? I mean, 
The other day, I'm on the treadmill, and I'm running, and a young lady who's in her early 20s is on there, and she's running like, I th- she was probably running 45 miles an hour. She looked like a gazelle, right? I'm flop sweating. I'm, I'm barely jogging. Because you cannot run well with extra baggage. It just doesn't work. See, some of you, some of you, the decision uh, to, to, to really focus on what you need to do in this life is, is simply saying, listen, it's not a matter of right or wrong. It's a matter of what's wisest for me. And others of you, you need to say, listen, there's a sin that's been entangling me for way too long and I've got to cut it out. And the only way I can do it is with God. But the writer of Hebrews isn't done. Ben, if you come on up, this is what he says. Let us run with perseverance the the race marked out for us. You are in a race fixing, check this out. If you have a highlighter, underline or something, underline this. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Do you remember the research project? Where they were saying, like, listen, blindfolded people, they walk in circles. And people who can't see the sun or see something, they walk in circles. But the only people in this life who don't walk in circles are the people who see something directly. And then they begin to walk towards it. So the writer of Hebrews says, listen, if you're going to walk towards anything in this life, then fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him. What was before him? Come on now, church. What was before him? There was joy set before him, but what did he have to endure to get there? The cross. He focused on what was past that to endure the obstacles, right? There's going to be obstacles in your path the whole time. There's going to be things that come up and try to hinder you the whole time. There's going to be snares that want to entangle you the whole time. But as you keep your eyes on Jesus... You too, just like Jesus, will endure the cross, scorning its shame, and sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. See, much like in the research study, we have to have a focus a place where we can fix our gaze in this crazy life. Otherwise, I'll tell you, you will continue to walk in the same circles that you've been walking in over and over and over again, and you'll be just as frustrated then as you are now. And whether it is money or image or status or relationships, or worry, or stress, or anxiety, whatever it is, I can tell you for sure that what you fixate on, you will become. What you fixate on, you will become. And so you're fixated, man, you're fixated on the worry, you're fixated on the stress, you're, you're fixated on the government, you're fixated on the problem, you're fixated on all those things. Then guess what grows in your life? 
And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And so here's the thing. We want to encourage you today. We have uh, a group of shepherds. They're going to be out kind of around us, and I'm going to be here off to the side. And we're going to take communion together. But let me challenge you in this. If you have found yourself walking in circles over and over and over again, let today be the day that you've set it on a straight path. And we would love to help you if just by simply praying for you, and we don't have to know all the specifics. But let today be different. Let today be the day where you say, all right, listen, my priority in life is this. And from now on, I am resolved to focus and to become what I'm fixated on. And the thing I'm fixated on is my Jesus. If that's you, we'd love to pray with you and take some time in communion today. Would you pray with me? God, we, we love you. We thank you for loving us. God, and we confess that, and we've been circle people, <laughs> blind to the fact that we just keep navigating our life over and over and over again, the same patterns, and not figuring out why, but you've created hope for us. And you call us to, to cast off all the things that hinder us in this life, to throw off all the sin that entangles us in this life, and follow you. So if we're tired of the circus, you call us home. And if we're tired of the chaos, you call us home. So God, may today be the day that starts a different path. We pray all of this in the power and might of your son, Jesus Christ. Listen, if you need prayers, now is the time you want to take some time in communion. Our tables are open and available back there. But allow this to be the time that starts a different path for you. One that's a straight line to Jesus.